0: So glad you are here this weekend. On the way in, they hand you the notes. And if you want to grab those in just a second, we'll jump into the teaching. While you do that, let me welcome all of our campuses. Uh, We have the physical locations, Highlands Ranch, Lakewood, Castle Rock, and uh, Lone Tree. And then we also have our online campus. And however you're a part of the greater JFC family, we welcome you. We're glad uh, that you are with us this weekend. We're in a series uh, about your spiritual life. We're actually taking our temperature kind of examining how we're doing spiritually. And here then is the outcome of this. We want you to grow spiritually now, not next year, not six months, not even in two weeks. We want you to consider how you can grow spiritually right now. So last week as we began this series, here's what we looked at. We play a part in it. God plays a part in it. We're looking at what we can do. We know that God stands like this at the ready always when it comes to our spiritual life. He wants us to grow. He wants us to grow in passion and love towards him and towards the kingdom of God. But on our side of it, I think sometimes we never consider what can do. We do that helps facilitate that. So we're kind of looking at those things, uh, and we'll be over the next couple of weekends. While we get ready to do that, real quickly, let me um, let me give a a, um, a a plug, a shout out, an encouragement to you. Uh, you, you heard from the Fishers just uh, just prior uh, to me to me talking. Let me let me encourage you with this if you have been praying about a place maybe maybe the whole concept of giving we talked a little bit about that last week and being involved with things that are beyond ourselves where could you do that you just had a great opportunity when you heard from the Fishers. And uh, it was just sort of um, um, brought to your attention that I made the comment that of all the ministries we support in missions, that I feel like these guys are one of the ones producing the most fruit. Now, I'm I'm sitting and I'm listening, and I wonder how many of our missionaries are listening to that right now, wondering, I wonder if I made the top of the list uh, also in that thing. I'm not telling, but I will tell this, that these guys, uh, the fruit that's coming from their ministry is just incredible, I've known uh, Melissa for, for more than 20 years and, for, and Jervis for almost that length of time. I actually did their wedding when they got uh, married 18 years ago. I, I've got a long-term commitment with these guys, so I can recommend fully uh, their, their character and their ministry. And I would I would say this. I leaned over to them and just said, is there any one thing you need right now? Anything that, that if I went up to just just uh, encourage people or to, to uh, ask people to get involved, is there any one thing that you need? And, and, and Melissa actually had a couple of different things. But one she said, um, she said, John, our, our living quarters is right in with all the kids. Um, can you imagine? Some of you are like, I have children. I totally imagine. <laughs> Multiply, I bet you don't have 35 kids. And even their bedroom is a part of, it's just literally right off the kitchen, and they're trying to finish up a portion of the house where they can sort of have their own life to enable them to do this for the rest of their lives. And folks, I, I would, they, they need $30,000, and to be honest with you, um, a, a church like ours can do that. It, it could happen in one service, it really could. You, it could take only one person in here, to be real honest with you, one person who is listening right now, uh, it, it could take, you know, a hundred, it, it, it could come in any form. But I want to encourage you, if if God's been dealing with you on that issue, and maybe you're just sitting there like, you know, Lord, show me something. Knock, knock. Answer. Who's there? God. (laughs) Slow. All right. So if you want to, if you want to help them, um, if you you like the idea of ministering to kids and changing the future and making something a long-term viable commitment from us to another part of the world to to make, look, our our living here in America, if, if nothing else, we should provide opportunities for other people to come to the front of the line too. Do you understand what I mean by that right there? If nothing else, we should provide that opportunity. And I would encourage you, if God has anything on your heart, you can uh, do it through JFC uh, directly in our, our boxes when you leave. You can go online and do it that way. You would just designate in particular to LOL. Um, when you pay your tithe. We take 10% of everything that's given, we put it back into missions so that we can bless our missionaries automatically. But I just want you to know, this is our heart, this is for real. What you're seeing is an opportunity for where, where, where generosity, impact, and vision happen. And if you want to do anything above and beyond your tithe, this would be the place I would encourage you to put it for sure. Uh, good fruit, and when you stand before the Lord, you'll never, you'll never think, wow, that was wasted money. What you'll hear is, well done, good and faithful servant, okay? So uh, enough of that. Let me go ahead and we'll, we'll jump into this. Uh, it's called The Spiritual Life. We're looking at our spiritual help. We're taking our temperature. Uh, One of the ways that we're doing that, one of the ways I'm trying to help our church move towards that, Pastor Marcus developed our app, and what we said last week, we rolled out the app last week, and I asked people, hey, if you've got a mobile device, uh, would you go ahead and download it? So we had about a thousand people last weekend download uh, the app, which is good, not, but I, I, to be honest with you, I would have thought it would have been three times that. I would have hoped we would have had about 3,000 downloads uh, of the app. If you haven't done it, and you have your device with you now, download it. If you're on a Google device, you would go to the Google App Store. If you're on an Apple device, go to the Apple Store. Uh, the App Store, not the Apple Store. Uh, download. Just just put in JFC. Download it. Do it, do it now, because here's what we did this last week. As we're looking forward to, to coming into a time uh, beginning this weekend where we're going to gather to pray and we're going to take a week to fast, whatever part you want to do, and then end it with a, with a time of worship uh, uh, the following week and, and, and prayer. I, I've been trying to send out things every... Man, I am thirsty. I am truly... Thir- Dan, throw me. Thank you very much. Thank you for that. I, and, and so as I uh, tried this week, I wanted to... I am really thirsty, Thank you. As I tried to send out every day. Some, my mouth is so dry. Thank you. Awesome. I mean, I can't hardly even talk. Perfect. God, getting these delivered to me is really nice, but they don't help me unless I open it up and take a drink. Now, a thousand people got the app this last week. But here was the question I asked people. How many of you got it? Most people I talked to said, I did. And then I said, how many of you did the things I sent out every day? And most people said, I didn't. (laughs) And it's like saying, I'm really thirsty. And having people deliver you water, but if you don't open it and drink it, guess what? You never quench the thirst inside of you, right? Now, just so that you know. I, every day, I was practicing it myself. I don't feel like it's my job to send it not do it. I fasted this week. I gave this week. I prayed this week. I memorized. I did things that I could encourage myself. So what's the result after a week? Dude, I'm excited. I'm happy to be here, man. I I can't wait to teach this message. And this example right here, I just felt like for someone, I, I know the desire is there. But if we don't take that next step to open it and drink it, to do it, we fool ourselves. We become hearers and not doers. And I want you to be a doer. I want you to be a doer. Get the app, and then when it comes to you this week, I will send stuff every day again. When you get the app, open it up, do what it says to do. Okay, enough of that. 2 Corinthians uh, is where we have used uh, sort of our uh, text to build into this series. Uh, From chapter 13, verse 5. Paul writes this, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. So he actually, just like a doctor, like you would go for an examination, it's the same thought, the same understanding. Uh, He's just simply, for most of us, we never consider our spiritual health. We almost just put it on uh, automatic pilot. We just think, hey, it'll all work out. Uh, It's all good, right? And here we have scripture that absolutely encourages us. Check this out. Go for an examination. Check your pulse, man. How's your heart doing? How, where are you at? Where's, where, where's it at with God? And then, and then he actually throws this in. Test yourselves. Are there tests that we can take to see how we're doing? So in last uh, week's message, I got into that a little bit. A litmus test is your passion. Where's your passion level at for the things of God? So I, I, I would say it this way. We love the idea of being very on fire spiritually. But we're not in love with doing the things it takes to be on fire spiritually. Does that make sense? We're in love with the concept, but we're not in love with the cost. That would be the way to tweet it. We're in love with the concept, but we're not in love with the cost. And so when it comes to the idea of actually looking at this, I don't want you just simply to become smarter or to take into c- I want you to, how am I doing with this? And what does God want for me out of this? Where can I, where can I grow in this? What can happen for me? All right, so at the transition point, here's what I want to talk about this weekend. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. Now, I'm pulling this from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is talking. He's actually talking about our spiritual lives. He's talking about, here, here's what I, this is the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life. This is not for the super spiritual. You know, Jesus didn't have two gospels. The one for those who were serious. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the Highlands Ranch people. Here, he had two. <laughs> All right. So Matthew 6, 2, 5, and 16. 2, 5, and 16. Here's the context Jesus is talking to believers about with their spiritual life. This is what he says. When you give. Then we skip to five, when you pray, and then down to fifteen, a uh, sixteen, when you fast. So when you give, when you pray, when you fast. Just real quickly, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Uh, he never asks if. So when we hear things like giving, fasting, and praying, here's what a lot of people tend to think: it's optional. If nothing else, be honest with this because nothing changes until we're honest. So when we hear things like giving, fasting, and praying, here's what we think, that's optional and somebody else will take care of it. it It's easy to pass that off. When someone talks about giving, here's what somebody else, they obviously have needs taken care of. They don't need me to do anything about it, and that's wrong. The opportunity to do something great in your life, only, it's just step away. Open the water to pray. Don't think it's optional or someone else will do it or only when I'm in a jam. Pray. Talk to God often, always, to fast. There's one. God, we think that's really optional, right? And yet Jesus never leaves it like, if you do this. He's very intentional. When you do this and the concept or the actual place he pulls it from is the normal Christian life. We look at this and we think, wow, this must be a really super spiritual person. Actually, in Jesus' mind, this is what you do if you follow him. Yeah. Yeah. This is what we do. This is who we are. So we, in, in, in today's vocabulary, we that's ah, somebody that's super. They're really super spiritual. Jesus would say, no, this is what it means Normally to be a believer. So let, let me give you an example. When a person goes to school and they do really well in school, it's almost an insult to say, wow, you're just a super smart person because it makes the rest of us what? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. You get it. <laughs> it. It's it's almost as though someone who does really well at it. I'm one in a million's life. The truth of the matter is, here's what happens when a person does really well at school. Here's what they get serious about it. They begin to study. They give their time to it. So here's what they really are. They're not super. They're mature. Do you agree with that? They're mature is all that it really is. When a person finally gets it, they've grown up. They understand what it's supposed to look like at that point. In a job, it's the same thing in a job. When a person excels at their job, we never go, wow, you're a super custodian. You're a super banker. You're a super insurance guy. So really what they are is they get it. They're mature about their job. They take it seriously. They give their effort and themselves to it. Yes or no? Yes. So I, I realize there are outliers in every crowd, but most of us aren't outliers. Your pastor's not an outlier. I'm pretty much just normal. And anything I excel at, I have to really give myself to it. I have to practice it. I have to give my full attention and devotion to it. Anybody else like that in the room? So four of us. <laughs> The rest of you, you're exempt from this, right? You just, you don't even need to hear. So let me, let me, how about marriage? People that excel at marriage, we always, oh, you're just made for each other. No one is made for each other. There's no such thing. Dear Jesus, there's no such thing. What is it when a person makes a marriage work? It's very insulting when well, you're just, wow. Your wife must really be awesome because look at you. What, what are we saying to somebody? What we're so a marriage that really works well is two people working. Yes, do you agree with this? We don't, You're super marriage material. We don't say that. That's that would be silly. We would never say we just. You're mature. You get it. You 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 make the sacrifice that's necessary to do it. On and on and on and on. Children. All, so spiritual life is the exact same thing. We would never say to a person, you're super spiritual. Here's what we should actually say. You get it, you're mature. And do you know that that's the point of a spiritual life Anyways, to be mature? Your whole purpose for following Christ is to become like Christ. Listen to me on this. I, let, me, let me show you this really cool scripture. This comes from Ephesians chapter 4. So God God in his, in his wisdom says that he gives five gifts. One of the five gifts is pastors, and a pastor's job is to help train people to do the work of the ministry, not to do the work of the ministry, but to train the body to do the work of the ministry. That's what it says. And then here's the purpose. For all the, all the gifts in the body, the five manifold gifts, the five, part, part of them is the prayer. Their job, ultimately, the reason that we, we, we do what we do is for this, until we, say this word with me, I need one Hebrew scholar to tell me how many all is. If you're all, say amen. amen. Okay, all is all. So until we all reach unity in the Faith. and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Layman's terms, our job is to do what we do as pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers. Everything that we do is, is, is aimed at this, to cause the body to grow up in maturity so that we look, act, think, we're Jesus to the world. And we don't go to a person, oh, you're super spiritual. No, that's normal. That's the normal thing that should happen to you if you love Jesus. And if that's not happening, so what is happening then? So, man, there's the war of every believer's life, right? That's it. So he's like, well, I am so thirsty spiritually. Open one of them <laughs> and take a drink. <laughs> what are those things we should drink? When you pray, when you fast, when you give... I wish God would speak to me. When you pray, when you fast, and when you give, why won't God do anything in my life? When you pray, when you fast, and when you give, that guy just drives, he won't let us, uh, when you pray, when you fast, when you give. (laughs) Look, under the thought from babies to adults. In the room, the Bible actually absolutely makes allowances for the fact that when people are new in faith, they're not babies, but they're, 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 they're looked upon in their maturity level in spiritual things like a baby. Right? We have room for that. There are people that recently have come to a knowledge of Christ in this room, uh, at one of our campuses, maybe watching online, you come to the knowledge. So you're new to these things. Yet, what I'm saying right now is like trying to swallow an entire elephant. There's room for that. On the other hand, if you've been a believer for years and you're gumming milk every week, I don't want to give. I don't want to pray. And I will not fast. Here's the equivalent. All of my children are adults now. I loved when they were kids. I loved my children. And I look back on those memories fondly. But if any of them came to me now and said, can you help me pull up my pants? (laughs) What do you think I would say? What's wrong with you? Hey, can you tie my shoe? Where did we go wrong? What if they come and they say, Dad, can you give us money? How many of you know what I'm going to say next? They still ask for that one. But (laughs) of all the things, of all the things, there's just a... How weird would it be for my 30-year-old daughter to come and say, Can you brush my teeth? It would be weird. Something... Here's what we would say, somewhere there was an inability for the person to grow up and either something happened emotionally, they didn't allow it, or the person just flat out refused to do it. And if they refused to do it, we'd look upon that and we would say, this is not healthy, this is not right, this is not the way it's supposed, you're not functioning like you're supposed to function. Do you agree with this statement right here? So back to the idea of a pastor's job. My number one job in this church is to care for your soul. Above everything else that I do, I will give answer for your soul to God and I'm judged twice as hard as a person who's not a pastor. I actually pass through the judgment twice, the Bible says. I take that, I take that seriously. So then my job becomes to Encourage, provoke, pull, push, prod, pray, give, fast. Everything that I teach, everything that I can do, I want you to grow spiritually because it helps your soul. Did you know that? This doesn't come from talking down. This comes from a pastor whose whole, the whole motivation to do what I do is to grow a body up so that it looks like Jesus ultimately. When do we look most like Jesus when we do what he did? We're in love with the concept, but not with the cost. And there is a cost to it. He does want us to give our whole selves to him. I get asked this question every once in a while. You've probably heard it yourself. So, Pastor, why don't we see miracles? More miracles. Why is not it like the book of Acts? People want to separate. Uh, my answer to that, I, I hear people talk about, well, like in Africa or in places where there's just such great need that people don't have choices. Uh, let me, let's, let's be bigger than, let's, let's go a little deeper than that. So let me give you what I think. So miracles aren't a separate issue from relationship with God. In other words, you don't do away with relationship and making that the point of everything. And If you pursue Jesus, you get miracles. But if you pursue miracles, you can do that without pursuing Jesus. You know that, right? Go back and look when Jesus stood before Herod. What did King, I've heard so much about you. Do something miraculous for, he wasn't pursuing Jesus. He wanted a fixation. He wanted a thrill. He wanted... I want to see the supernatural, but I don't want to do it in relationship with you. Yes? No? Maybe? Could be? Here's what I say to that. You don't separate miracles. Miracles are the normal part of the life of a believer. So why don't I see them then? Am I not? No, you, are. you need to pursue Jesus. It should be the trigger point. I need to go deeper with Jesus. I need to know him more. I need to pursue him more. I need to go after him more. That's the outcome of the pursuit. And when you separate them, I, I, this is you can't do it outside of the miraculous. Outside of the, the pursuit of Jesus. It was never meant to be divided that way. So here, here, here the why why in the world does he tell us giving, praying, why those things? Giving, praying, and why those three? When you give, when you pray, why those three? Because in a a quick sentence they are so far beyond ourselves. They absolutely get to the root of of the lesser nature that we're all born with which is to take care of me. So I don't want to pray, I don't want to give, and I don't want to do anything that makes me uncomfortable. Yes? And that's what babies do. But when you grow up, part of Growing up is, there are certain things we do, yes, agree? And in this situation right here, it, the new nature, not a better nature or a great, the new nature in us is the nature of Christ. His nature is, man, he gave it all for us. We're most like him when we do what he did, What an honor it is to sacrifice. What an honor it is to give. What an honor it is to pray. What an honor it is to do anything that makes my flesh smaller and my spirit sore. That's an honor. That that mindset then really begins to absolutely cut into the war between flesh, spirit, old nature, new man. Fight that battle valiantly, man. Don't give in to that. That's the one to win. That's the one to make sure. All right, let let me just give you this then. Uh, So this is the normal Christian life. Let me me say this. The life that God rewards, the outcome of the person who will give, who will pray, and who will fast. What is the outcome of that person? What's the reward for that person? All right, the life that God rewards in answer to to that scripture we just looked up in Matthew. Pull this up real quick. Let Let me show you this. The answer to every one of those questions, when when you give, when you pray, when you fast, here's what Jesus said the Father will do. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret. I'm going to show you a little a mystery here. It's really cool. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will what? Okay, then this is the one that was on uh, praying right here. Then your Father who sees what is done when you pray in secret will what? And here is the uh, the, the fasting. And your father who sees what is done in secret will? Okay, here, let me ask the question this way. The life God rewards. Does God reward us because we do those things? Now I want you to think about this for just a minute. Jesus actually gives a little explanation I think most people read over and they don't get. God's not into... Religion. So religion tells people, look there are religions all around the world who fast far more than we do and pray a lot more than we do and give far greater quantities than we do. If you were to weigh out what they have versus what we have and how much they give. So religion demands all of these things of people. So it's gotten to the religious aspect. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So Jesus gives it this way. Um, your father, when you do these things, so uh, when you give, do it without anybody knowing. In other words, the only one that you're doing this in front of is your father. And because you know he's watching, here's your motive. Not because anybody else sees you do it. Not even because your pastor asked you to do it, necessarily. Or at least as a number one rule. You're in this great relationship with the father and you know the father rewards you when you give. So don't do it for anybody else to applaud you or to give you accolades or to pat you on the back. Do it because you're in this deep relationship with him and you know he loves it when you do this. And when you pray... Don't stand up and trumpet it like everybody else does. Oh, great God in heaven. Don't do that. (laughs) Go in your closet, shut the door, and between you and God, pray. Pour your heart out to your father. Tell him what your needs are. Act like he's the only one in the universe who needs to hear what you have to say. And then your father, who knows what you did between you and him, will reward you openly in front of everybody. And when you fast... Don't tell everybody how hungry you are. Don't roll on the floor and tell everybody, all I'm seeing is stars, I've missed lunch. Don't do that. (laughs) Do it in front of God. In fact, this is what Jesus' recommendation is. When you fast, act like you're not. Act like you're full. Act like you're happy. Act like it's the best day of your life. Act like everything's as good as it's ever been. You're doing it to God, not for anybody else to say anything about you. Only your Father. Do it to Him. And when you do it to Him, in secret, because you're in this passionate relationship with Him, because your only reason for doing it is not for religious value or to prove to anybody else you're mature, but because you and Jesus are smack dab in the middle of something really awesome, then your Father, who sees what you did between you and Him, will reward you in the open in front of everybody. The life that God rewards. Does God reward us? Here's the way that I wrote it in my notes. Maybe it makes more sense. Uh, Does God reward what we do or why we do it? It's actually both, but not apart from each other. Do you understand what I just said? Does he reward what we do or why we do it? He actually rewards both, but not apart from each other. So in other words, he doesn't reward us just for doing something if our heart's not in it. But he doesn't reward our hearts for being willing to do it but not doing it. I think the greatest example probably, I'll just read this to you and and, and I'll I'll wind my message up with this. This is Luke 18 verse 9. To some who were very confident of their own righteousness, Jesus told this parable to. Two men went up to the temple to pray. Notice that they both went to church. Both of them. One was a Pharisee and the other one was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed out loud about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this filthy tax collector. I fast twice a week and I tie the tenth of my income. (laughs) The tax collector stood at a distance and in his heart said to God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other who was very religious, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Here's the crux of that right there. The one who was just religious did not get rewarded. But the one who had it in his heart didn't sit home and go, Hey, you know what? The mountains is my church, and the animals are my fellowship. You hear what I'm saying? Now hear me on this issue. Both of them went to church to pray. So obviously Jesus is commending both of the acts. Both of them did things, but one did it publicly for people to go, wow, that guy is super spiritual. And the other one, the only thing that was in his heart was, God, I'm here because I love you. I'm here because I need you, and I'm here, God, because I'm desperate. I'm desperate. I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. I'm not doing it for those reasons. But I am here. I didn't stay home either. Did you get it? This is the normal Christian life. <laughs> the normal Christian life. Really, what is the reward? If that's the life that God rewards, what's the reward? Whenever we teach reward, people always think financial. And while that is a part of how God rewards us, let me tell you what the greatest, I've already taught it in the message, I don't know if you caught it, but let me tell you what the greatest reward you can get for anything that you hear right now. Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus is righteous. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for Christ, because he'll meet that need in your life. I'm trying to tell you what the reward is. How does God reward us? Let me give you the next one right here. Uh, This is from Psalm 16. Look at this. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. What does God reward us with? I'll give you one more scripture and see if you can figure it out. This is Philippians chapter three, verse eight. Paul writes it this way. Here's my ultimate conclusion. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage if I could gain Christ. Do you see what the reward is? Who's the reward? It's God himself. It's Jesus. The reward is not stuff. I'm gonna say it one more time. If you pursue Jesus, you get all the stuff. And if you think, well, I I want stuff, so I'll pursue Jesus. If you get Him, whatever He gives you will satisfy you. You'll have more than what you need. Wherever you are, you'll be okay. You'll have Him. The priesthood in the Old Testament of the tribes of Israel, every one of them except Aaron, his tribe, got land. They had a portion of the holy land. But the priesthood wasn't allowed to inherit land because God said, I am your inheritance. And here was what they said. It has fallen to us in good and pleasant places because we got you. And I wonder if the people of God feel that way today. It fell to us in good places if this is our reward right here. If Jesus is our reward, you got the best reward you could get. And if you don't feel that way, you're not living the normal Christian life. I don't mean that ugly. I don't mean that mean. I'm your pastor. It's all okay. My job to get you there. But our whole desire should be Jesus, man. And if you're not there, then it is upon us to be asking God, get me there. Draw me there. I need to grow this way. I need to, if this is what it says and this is what you want, it's my delight to serve you. Take a drink, man. Take a drink. Father, we love you. We give our hearts to you. We give our lives to you. I realize that when I say that, some people that hear that, Some people that are listening or some people that, Father God, as they just contemplate this, maybe they can't say fully, I'm ready to do that. Okay, okay. So maybe God's dealing with you. Maybe you're at the front end and you're contemplating right now. Maybe I'll just ask the question, then what do you wanna do with it? Do you wanna give your life to him? Do you hear anything in what I'm saying where the Holy Spirit himself calls to you? God calls you. You don't just wake up one day and go, hey, I need to serve God. If you ever feel that way, if you ever feel like you need his mercy or his grace or his love or your for, his forgiveness, here's what the Holy Spirit's dealing in your heart. So what do you do? You ask him, be merciful to me, a sinner. That person who means that, when they say that to God, will stand before him justified. But if that decision's already been made and you sit And you listen to this this weekend and it pushes in your heart that there's got to be so much more than what I'm doing. That just going through the religious exercise of doing stuff has become so boring and so mundane and there's just not the life. That also is God speaking to you. We don't do this because there's a hell to be escaped We do this because there's a whole life, the kingdom of God, to be gained. God wants to draw you into that life with him. He wants to bring you to that place with him. He wants to prove to you that it's fallen to you in good and pleasant places if you get him as your inheritance. And it begins with just simply saying, God, help me. God, draw me. God, I want these things. God, I need these things. God, I don't even know what to do next, but I open my heart to you. Draw me to you. Father, wherever and however any of us approach you, I know, God, you put your hand out to us. I know you draw us to yourself. I know it's your will, it's your good pleasure. Father, I ask that you do this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Before I turn this over, I would encourage you with this right here. If you have not downloaded that app, I'm gonna tell you one more time, it's not some natural thing I'm trying to get you to do. We don't get any kind of money from it. There's no kind of social status out of it. It's a tool for us to be able to help you as we point ourselves towards a spiritual emphasis. Something that I'm giving myself to every day that I'm hoping we can do together as a church. I wanna encourage you with this. If you have any form to be able to download this thing and please do it. And let's see what God can do in our lives in the next few weeks as we point ourselves towards him and we pursue him together.